0: We have the simulated season, we're going to get into that here in moments, because there's lots I want to talk about with that. But let's talk about the one big thing on the plate in real life, and that is, will baseball start without fans and get going again? Now, we've touched on this last week. There's been more that's come out recently about it, so let me just kind of review everything that's happened over the last week, Dave, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Major League Baseball has proposed basically two plans. One is stick everybody out in the middle of the desert in Arizona, have people share facilities, keep them all quarantined there, and and, and just go with it in one location. Now it seems like the teams, from what I'm reading between the lines, they, they don't like that, the ones that are normally based in Florida for spring training. So now they're talking about the idea of two different leagues, one that's in Arizona, one that's in uh, Florida, And they would realign the divisions based upon how close you are to each other. So the White Sox would be in a division, theoretically, with the Los Angeles Dodgers as they share a facility with them. And I was looking at the teams that they play against, and it becomes the most difficult division out of all six that the White Sox would play in. They have surrounded themselves, in terms of geographically, with some of the best teams in Major League Baseball out in Arizona. The thing is, though, about this entire plan is I don't see how baseball is able to go forward with this currently and be able to get players who make millions of dollars or are set financially. Not everybody needs every little dollar and are, and they have wives or they're expecting children or they have family responsibilities and they say, nope, I will give up part of my salary or my contract. You can't make me go play while this pandemic is still going on, and I think they'll lose 10 to 15 percent easily of Major League Baseball players. Zach Wheeler, who was a target of the White Sox, remember. remember, he took less money because his fiance now wife didn't want to go to Chicago. So the money didn't matter to her as much as location, because, you know, 120 million and 110 million is pretty much the same to the Instagram model that he married. And that's fine. I get that. A lot of people would feel that way. He's already come out and said, not going to happen. I'm not, I'm not going down there and playing and being separated from her and the rest of my family. She's, he's got a baby already expe- that he's expecting. We've had two White Sox players that have come out already. James McCann saying, quote, it would be a recipe for disaster to try to start baseball too quickly. And Steve Shisek, our one of our new relief pitchers, who's playing well in the simulated thing, and he said, I don't think I could play a season quarantined for my family. Not
1: going to happen. The high paying guys, by and large, I would imagine are not going to go for it. They're not going to go for it because, as you said, first of all, they're set financially. Number one. Number two, a lot of these guys are kind of set in life, meaning they have houses, kids, you know, they have houses, wives, kids um, that they don't want to leave for. Uh, three, four, five months at a time to be in, you know, to be in quarantine, the teams, the top guys are going to have the top, the high paying guys are going to have more pull than, you know, your league minimum guys who are maybe just getting started. Maybe it's their first, you know, maybe it's their rookie year, second year, something like that. Uh, Guys who actually need the paycheck. I would think those guys are going to have less pull Uh, in the players association and with the individual teams than the top guys do. So I agree with you. I think you'll probably lose, you'll probably lose more than 10 to 15% of, well, I guess you're talking 10 to 15% of the entire team. I guess that makes sense. But I mean, a lot of those top tier guys that, you know, that people would go, well, nobody's going to the ballpark to see them, but they would, they would turn on their TV sets or, Turn on their uh streaming apps to watch these guys play. I don't necessarily know if you're gonna see a lot of those guys if they go through with this.
0: You're gonna have a situation where you're gonna have um the the minor league guys wanna play because it's an opportunity. They're gonna expand rosters, you're gonna see a lower level of talent. You're gonna have basically for a baseball, where you're gonna have major leaguers mixed in with minor leaguers that probably don't belong in the majors and some of your star right. power missing. And that's That's the product that you'll see if they go back and they play. That's what I believe will happen.
1: Has the uh, Players Association come out and made a statement about what they feel about this? Because I did not hear that. I heard the part about how they're going to split it into, you know, like a Cactus League and a Grapefruit League or whatever the hell they're going to do as far as Florida and Arizona. I heard that part. Uh, I haven't heard what the Players Association has – has said about this, if anything. Well,
0: what the way that I'm understanding is, this is a negotiation between the players' association and Major League Baseball. But that doesn't mean the members are totally in on what's going on with the union. You're going to have a, you know, the way all unions work is you're going to have a, a union that's going to be called at a table by management, and they're going to start negotiating the idea. But then they have to bring it back to their members. And what you're hearing now are members saying, "Look." When you bring this back to me, what I'm hearing, I'm not voting for this or I'm not going, I'm not playing. And so that's that's the thing. There isn't an official thing from the union because all they're going to do is sit down and say, let's work out a plan and talk with their members. They're not going to come out with something until official, until they know what the plan is and they're trying to convince players to get on board.
1: Do the players do the players have an option? Like, do they have a, you know, like, can they even opt out of this? I mean, I would imagine they can, right? They would just forfeit their salary. I'm pretty sure,
0: I'm pretty sure that there, there's no way you can force people to come back to work during this. I I think that you would have, look, I was having this conversation the other day with somebody and I am fully convinced that the amount of lawsuits, lawyers must be licking their chops because we are in a pandemic and you do have to do the responsible thing. But the this isn't communist China, OK, there there are civil liberties that are being taken away left and right here. And when the dust settles, people are getting sued everywhere, like the Pennsylvania cop that gave the girl a thousand dollar fine for driving down the road with their windows up and nobody else in the car. And he and he fined her for driving down the road where she's not a danger to anybody. They, they're going to get sued, at police department. OK, I mean, like the, there are different there are different stories that you read about what's going on right now. And yes, the right thing to do is, you know, A, B, and C, but technically under the law, there are certain things that people are doing that they can't do. You can't force these guys to go into a situation if they feel it to be unsafe. And, it's,
1: and, and, and Chris, here's the thing, though, to, to reply to that, that kind of thing is happening all over the place, not just in baseball, but, you know, companies are, companies are forcing their employees to go to work over this. And they're saying, if you don't go to work, you're fired. Right. We don't care if it's a pandemic. Right. Here's, a bottle of Lys- here's a bottle of Lysol. Here's some, here's some Clorox wipes coming to work as if nothing was going on.
0: We, and we brought them up before. WWE is a small pool of wrestlers, but they already have COVID-19 now in their ranks. That's been confirmed. And with, even yes. with that small group of trying to isolate them, some of their performers have now tested positive. So Major League Baseball players are going to point to that and say, and now you want me to go seeing around with all these other players and all these other people that work for baseball and everything else like that. And it's there, you're gonna have the guys that make too much money and are gonna say, No, make me. And if they try to make them, those guys have enough money to go get the best lawyers to recover anything that's taken away from them. Or if if a contract is is nullified, There's going to be massive ripple effects, so I believe that in the end, whatever agreement happens, there'll be a clause where, hey, if you don't want to play, you won't get paid, and you're going to have guys that are going to say, "Fine, don't pay me, I'll be fine with that." And 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 that's how this will end up shaking out. I think you're going to have like a 4A baseball season with weird alignments, so that the so that the the owners can make enough money because look at the and I'll go back to the WWE thing. Just this past week, Vince McMahon, who had to XFL, had to go back to live television, even though it was safer for him to tape things in segments to keep his wrestlers separated. He did that because all of his TV contracts can be voided if he has too many tape shows. Money talked, and somebody called up to him and told him, you got to be live or we're voiding your contract. And the reason for that is the advertising money is gone. Across the board, all sports listening Uh, All sports talk sports podcasts, sports blogs. Everybody's numbers are down. It's something that uh, I've taken a look at. I've looked at what's going. I mean the simulated season has been the thing that keeps socks in the basement afloat and and, and I know that I mean doing it has been uh, just we've we've been very fortunate people love listening to the simulated games and it's actually rising but when I talk to people in radio everything's going down. And, and the reason that it's going down is because people have changed what their not only what their listening habits are, but there's nothing actually live to listen to advertisers. Half of them are out of business, so they can't pay the bills that they already had. And they're not actually looking to advertise anymore. So the revenue stream is down. So now these networks, these networks, they're sitting there saying we can't pay our own employees because we're not bringing in any money. So why are we going to pay you guys your money? Because you're not providing us a sport right now. And, and so Major League Baseball is like, oh, no. And, and that's that. this whole thing is about money and the trickle down effect of what's going on around Major League Baseball. So the MLB wants to get back to work, but they can't.
1: A couple of things. So you know, one thing you have to remember about the Vince McMahon deal with WWE, Fox just recently paid billions of dollars to start running SmackDown Live on Friday nights. Um it was always on the USA Network, but Fox, uh, Fox bought it for like two billion. And this was only maybe six months ago. So yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna want their live shows. So you know, but you are right because people are watching and reading too uh, on the internet and listening less and less to do with sports because there ain't nothing going on. What's everybody you know, what everybody's paying attention to now are local news, national news, and uh, Tiger King. And and their and their own families. Um, I, 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 yeah, and their own families. Yeah, and I, I miss this tiger things thing too. I don't get I, I I don't get it. It's about a, it's about a it's about a bisexual meth head tiger trainer. Man, I'm glad you said trainer there because I was like, what? What kind of tiger? You know, and everybody hates somebody named, everybody on the internet hates somebody named Carol Baskin. I I don't get it. I'm, I'm past, past.
0: Foundation issues not properly handled can be costly. Family Waterproofing Solutions is owned by Ken, a veteran of the United States Marines and his wife, Maria making them a veteran owned business and a female owned business that will diagnose and repair wet or leaky basements. And while they're located on the sock side, Family Waterproofing services the entire Chicagoland area and Northwest Indiana. And now after taking time off to ensure they can do things safely and securely for you, Family Waterproofing is back in business and doing jobs. Plus part of the proceeds for every job that they do are donated to veteran and first responder organizations who support our frontline defenders. And currently, Socks in the basement listeners have access to special pricing when they contact family waterproofing solutions now 708-330-4466 or visit them today at familybasementwaterproofing.com. All right, let's get in let's get into the simulated season, okay? Without giving away the results of today's game, I will be able no, to yeah, tell yeah. you this, that over the last 12 games, the White Sox are playing 500 ball in our simulated season. Now, these games come out each and every day on the Sox in the Basement podcast feed. So you, you ha- if you have Sox in the Basement, you're listening to it anywhere podcast can be found. And always at SoxintheBasement.com. You get a new game when you wake up in the morning. It's about 90 minutes. It's got every pitch in it. We've been doing it since opening day. Uh, we're being covered by Sox on 35th, the world famous blog. And so they do like the post game and they put stats up and they kind of give you the box score and everything else for you to look through. So it's a full interactive experience as we simulate the season as it should have been. And after the Sox got off to a hot start, over the last 12 games, they're 6-6, six and six, There's their big problem, and I'm going to break down the stats for you, is not hitting. So let me, let me give you some of these, these rankings and these numbers here, Dave, and then you can tell me what you think. Across the league, and I'm talking MLB, not National League and American League, but all of MLB. The White Sox currently have a 277 team batting average, which is fourth in baseball in the simulation, nice. led by Tim nice. Anderson hitting 342, Mancada hitting 313, and Liuri Garcia hitting 304. Okay. And uh, if nice. I'm not mistaken, Abreu is just off that pace, and so is Aloy Jimenez, who has broken out of his slump over the last week and is now hitting about 280. All right. So as I scroll through, through things, they are fifth in the majors with 99 total runs scored. So they're also there. They are second in the majors with 42 doubles. So they're hitting the ball deep into the gaps. And I've noticed that a lot. And they are fourth in the majors with 29 total home runs with Jimenez still leading a team with six, Abreu and Encarnacion each have five. So stolen bases as well. They're fourth in stolen bases. Luis Robert has nine and Tim Anderson has eight. So, so they, have, they have 19 total and 17 of them between those two players. So that is the other thing that they have going on for them. So the White Sox are getting hits, they're, they're scoring runs, they're second and slugging overall with a 4.8 or I'm sorry, a 0.489 slugging percentage. So they have all yeah. these things going for them when it comes to offense. When I turn around and I look at their defense, while they do not lead the league in errors, I, watching the games, have decided that not everything is an error. That should be an error. Nomar Mazzara is a clown show in right field. (laughs) There's no other way. (laughs) He, He had a play that I just watched that had me screaming at a baseball simulation where he runs over for a routine fly in a pivotal situation. He puts his glove up. He actually slows down the little simulated character, puts his glove up, and the ball lands two feet behind him. I was like, "How is that even programmed in the system?" And that didn't go as an, and it didn't go as an error for some strange reason. And the other thing is that Leary Garcia has played good defense at every other position except second base, which is where he would have started oh, the season. According to All the, the game, he has three errors there. I have counted six. He has had he had a he had a bases loaded situation with one out, trying to prevent a run from scoring. He gets a tailor made double play. And the game actually had him double pump the home plate, turn the second, and drop the ball as it rolled.
1: <laughs> and I was like, how does the game program
0: that either? Like, it's like it's like I'm screaming. I'm like, what is that? All you have to do is flip it, and then it's a double play, and we're out of Like, I was just like, I'm so aggravated watching these games. I was like, like Erica afterwards was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, Larry Garcia just sucks at second base. So <laughs> defensively, there's there's lots of problems, okay? That's that's been. That's been kind of a thing. Like I've noticed that of the six losses they've had in the last twelve games, you can account at least two, maybe three, specifically to defensive errors at bad at bad times. And the main offenders have been Nomar Mazzara and Leary Garcia when he's at second base. So I that that's been kind of a crazy thing. And then pitching wise, Dallas Keuchel has been a stud, but Lucas Giolito not really performing as well as uh, that. I thought he was going to end up performing. Uh, Dylan Cease is up and down. He had, he had a game on Friday night against the Minnesota twins where he was perfect through three and through seven shutout innings. And then the next time that he comes out, he is getting in trouble every other inning, every other inning. He's got guys all over, over the base paths. So he's like up and down. And that's kind of weird. Uh, Gio Gonzalez continues to be a veteran pitcher. And gets stronger in every game as he goes through it. But he's basically a six-inning pitcher. We've only had two pitchers actually pitch through seven innings from the starting role. Most of them are five or six innings before they have to be taken out. Um, and the only guys that really seem to be able to go deep is is Dallas Keuchel, and then the the one time that Cease went deep. The bullpen is generally good, although Jimmy Cordero has started to show some holes, which makes sense. It basically he was like lights out, and he's having he's going through a bad stretch. I have had to do the thing that I said where Jace Fry can only be used like in the back end of an inning with one or two outs already. And then he's got a lefty hitter coming up because if he goes for an entire inning, he can't do it. It, it just like the game understands he is a loogie, just cannot pitch a full inning and sucks against right-handed hitters. So there's right. some things that I've had to kind of adjust and and, and look at, but They're bad in the late innings. They they have a hard time coming back or winning a game in the late innings. They have a hard time in extra innings. I don't know if that's just something with the game. And then they have really good hitting and very average to sub-average pitching right now, especially uh, the starting rotation. So when you hear all of that and you you hear that they are over 500, let's say right now, I don't want to give away what happened in today's game. So they're two to three games above 500 right now. So what... (laughs) What is your if if you hear that you know that they're about two to three games out of first and two to three games over five hundred? Would you be shocked at this point in the season if the real White Sox would have been at this point?
1: Now the the record shows exactly where uh, you know you would expect them to be. Maybe you know we would expect them to be a little better, um, but I mean. The, the, the Mazzara thing in right field is a little surprising because he was brought in for defense. No, you see, that's the
0: weird thing is that like there are some people that have said that defensively he can sometimes be below average. Like he's his arm is good, but he there was there was a knock on him that he is not very fleet footed out there and he can't cover a lot of ground and that Robert would have to cover the gaps so I don't know if that's contributing to some of the mistakes he's making. I mean, he had the bad route to the ball in the one game, but he's also he's also dropped the ball and he's muffed the ball that was coming out into the outfield on a two hop, and it went over his glove and rolled to the wall. So he's had three different errors that I've counted so far.
1: Leory Garcia having errors at second base is a little surprising because we know he can play second base.
0: Well, the game hates the game hates him at second base. It has him it has him rated lower as a fielder. In terms of his range, his uh, ability to make plays, and his, th- his throwing arm, he's lower than Danny Mendick right now. Okay, and that, that was the reason why we put Mendick in at second base, because of all the errors, but I put him at second just the other day because I was giving Mankata a day off, and Mendick has got a better arm, so I had Mendick playing third and put Garcia at second to give Mankata the day off, and Garcia immediately makes an error at second base. So he isn't even playing second base all the time. And when he gets in there, it's like, I, I got to make my one error a game at second base. Hmm. So it's weird. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a strange thing. I wonder had this thing not come along and and shut down spring training. I wonder if the White Sox would have actually gone out there and like picked up a guy, you know, just somebody who's out there sitting on his couch right before the start of the season just to help fill in at second base. I I remember reading something about how there was a possibility of them doing that.
0: They were talking about it. I mean, that was something they were discussing. And the weird thing is, it seemed like they were not very warm on Nick Madrigal, who we've kept down in the minor leagues. But now under the situation that we're in, I keep wondering to myself, do I bring up Madrigal? Because there's two problems here on the simulated team. You got Yerman Mercedes, who's basically got no role. He's been a pinch hitter twice, maybe three times, and and that's it. And he played one inning a catcher because it just had to work out that way with the guys that have been used up so far in in a long game. So other than that, he's just basically taking up a spot. And so it doesn't make any sense to me. Like after using this team now for several weeks and simulating it, it's very difficult for me to even justify his existence on the roster and what we do need is we need either another outfielder or another infielder. And then Garcia moves to the basically the other role as a backup in that other, th- because we need more versatility during games. You know, I mean, there's just, and, and also for resting guys, the infielders and the outfielders will all start to lose energy. And you'll see guys have bad games. Tim Anderson had a terrible first game against the Royals the other day because his energy was all sapped because I hadn't been able to replace him in the lineup. So then I replace him in the lineup. He comes back then the next day, and he's hitting the cover off the ball again. So I have to be able right. to substitute just like any, just like Ricky Renteria would have to substitute, and there's not enough guys to go around based upon the fact that you have three catchers. That's the thing that's kind of stuck out to me.
1: We have been saying service time be damned with Nick Madrigal from day one. Get him up here. Now, he wasn't having a great spring training was the, was the problem, and that gave the White Sox the excuse— to, to keep him down there. But I mean, if it's a simulated game, I say just do it, man. Bring him
0: up. Well, at this point, Madrigal would be under another year of control, but he would go to arbitration a year earlier than if you kept him down there for another month. And I don't think the name of the game is arbitration with a guy like Nick Madrigal. I mean, let's be honest. Arbitration, right. basically we're talking money, but we're not talking control at this point. That's how the rule would go. He's been down there long enough that it'd be like Chris Bryant, where they they kept him down for seven days and they brought him up, and 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 then he got all angry about it, and he tried that lawsuit or the grievance or whatever through the Players Association, and he lost it. So the White Sox in real life would be emboldened enough to understand that they could bring up Mandrigal right now and have the control, and it would just be he'd get to arbitration a year earlier, which I am totally okay with in this instance. So, I mean, let's, let's just take a look at him before we make the decision here. But I think today we are going to we're going to send Yerman Mercedes down and we're going to look at Nick Mandrigal, okay? Now, Mandrigal okay. has been improving even the short time that we had him down in the minor leagues. I can tell you that right now, taking a look at what, what, uh, what they're ranking him at at this very moment. He has been improving while he's down there. The one thing that is surprising to me, and I might have to go in and change this, and we're going to have to talk about that as well, his plate discipline is considered to be very low for a guy that never strikes out. We need to adjust that before we send him up because we know that he's much better plate discipline wise. And also, Danny Mendick is going to still be, at least at the beginning here, a better fielder than Madrigal slightly. And we've been told, and we've been told that he's a defensive whiz.
1: That does not make any sense no, at all.
0: No. So I, I here's the thing. First of all, I think we call him up. Secondly, I think we make a slight adjustment to at least make him even with Mendick. I don't want to cheat the simulation, but every scout in the world has said that the guy is a whiz and could be a gold glover. I mean, we've been hearing that now for the last three years. He could come up and play right now when he was in single A, come up to the majors right now and win the gold glove at second base. And the game itself has not given him that. I'm fine with his hitting stuff. Like, whatever they have for his hitting, I will accept it. They have a formula to figure out if he's going to be good or bad at the plate. But defensively, I should be bringing in a guy that I know is going to be able to hold down second base without a problem. So my thing is, let's let's promote him. Let's adjust that to at least give him the same skills as Danny Mendick. I'm not even going to give him the gold glove skills that everybody says that he has. I just want to make him even to Mendick, who's the best second baseman that we currently have, and then bring him up and give him a chance to play every day. And, 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 and put him into our lineup, and we'll add Nick Madrigal to the roster. Are, we, are you good with that? Totally good with that. Okay. And then, uh, meanwhile, Carson Fulmer refuses to have another bad game so I can drop him. Every time I bring him in, he's effective now. It's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I want to justify getting rid of him, but I can't. It's really, really frustrating. The other thing is that Kopeck's going to come up soon. I, I, I figured that he was going to be a, a May call-up. I'm operating okay. under the assumption that the White Sox would play games, keep them down in the minors to get that one-year control back. So we're talking like he might be a birthday present for me in early May where Kopeck comes up. And right now, the weakest link of the three guys at the bottom of the rotation is Dylan Cease. Reynaldo had a Reynaldo game recently, so maybe things are changing. So we'll have to see how it goes over the next few weeks. But one of those guys okay. is going into the bullpen, and Kopeck's going to come in and pitch. We could also consider if they're both doing well, Kopech comes up and starts as a long reliever and gets to kind of get himself going and we wait and let the game improve him a little bit. And the White Sox could do that. Don Cooper has said in interviews that, you know, the the bullpen is a, is a big way of getting yourself right and also getting yourself ready. Remember Chris Sale, they used him in the bullpen before they brought him in. So we'll have some, de- that'll be the next big decision I think we're going to have to make. Okay. I feel like this is an accurate representation. Of what a young team coming out of a rebuild would do, I never had the idea that they were going to jump out and be six games over 500 in in mid mid uh, April. I didn't think that this was going to be like they they they're sweeping every series or winning two out of three and never losing a series. They they've won almost every series that they played in. They haven't swept anybody, and being two to three games over 500 at this point that's what I thought they would do. They still have to learn how to play. They still have a rookie in in, uh, in Robert playing center field. They still have uh, the sophomore possible sophomore slump of uh, Aloy Jimenez, where you're going to have teams that are going to adjust to him. You still have guys that are fitting into the lineup, and a, and a manager has to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And you've got young pitching in Cease and Lopez, that is unproven. Neither one of those guys, the only reason we're giving CESA pass is because Lopez has been up there longer, but both of them basically were doing the same thing, going out there and giving up five runs a game. So I'm not surprised. This is what I think the White Sox would have been. I'm, I'm actually not taken aback by the simulation at all. Although I do, we do get comments now from people going, how are they only winning, you know, X, Y, oh and God. Z? God, come on,
1: so, give so, me a break. <laughs>
0: That's Dave. I'm Chris. This has been Socks in the Basement. We will talk to you again next week. And remember, simulated games each and every day at Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at socksinthebasement.com. Seven games over the next seven days. They don't have a day off until uh, a week from Sunday. So you got baseball every day, a radio broadcast from us. We will talk to you very soon. Our thanks to our sponsors, Cork and Carry at the Park. Remember to go to Grubhub or CorkandCarryatthepark.com. And all you've got to do is click and order, support a local business, and eat some tasty ballpark food. I prefer doing it when I'm listening to a game. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye, everybody.
1: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere a podcast can be found. And always on
0: SocksInTheBasement.com.